What happens at the judgment seat of Christ? It's a place where in the future that we who are followers of Christ will stand to be judged by Christ, our Lord and our Savior and our King. Our text this morning is Revelation 4, 10, and 11, and we peer into the future and we read these words. The 24 elders fall down and worship the one who lives forever and ever, and they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. It was a common practice in the Roman Empire at one time because the emperor of Rome had a lot of lesser kings under him that, that, that ruled different kingdoms within the main kingdom of the Roman Empire. And he would summons them in, and when they came out of homage, they would all take out their off their crowns and lay him at his feet, and then he would give them back to him. And the point behind it he was making was that I'm, I am, uh, I'm the one that you need to think about wearing that crown. I'm the one that gives you the power to rule your kingdoms, and so don't ever forget that, actually. They wanted to be subordinate to the emperor. This illustrates a time in the future when our king will give us crowns. We, too, will humbly bow before our great God and cast those crowns at his feet. I don't know about you, but I know that maybe it's on me. I don't know. I don't think it's anything on the worship band. I think it's on us who worship. That there are some Sundays where something gets a hold of you, which is the Holy Spirit and the music. And in that service, the presence of God is, is close. It's almost, it's almost like you can reach out and touch him or you can cut the atmosphere with a knife and I don't know why, but it, I, I have to admit this. I love church and I love worship, but sometimes I feel closer to God than at others in worship. But the point I am making that there is coming a time when we stand before Christ that the worship will be completely off the chart, that we, won't, we can't grasp it in these finite minds of ours. Songwriter, a member of Greater Vision, Rodney Griffith, painted a beautiful picture of this in his song entitled A Pile of Crowns. Here were some of the lyrics in that song. I dreamed I crossed to heaven's side. An angel said, I'll be your guide. I'll lead you through this land so vast, and I will save the best for last. The mansion's bright, the golden streets were greater sights than I had dreamed. But when I gazed upon his throne, I was amazed by what I saw. For I saw a pile of crowns laid before the holy lamb. One by one, the saints had come to thank the Lord for all he'd done. No greater sight in heaven I found than a holy God and a pile of crowns. Throughout God's Word, we find that followers of Christ will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We will receive rewards. The Bible describes five potential crowns that we may receive. And I do believe there's evidence that at that time when we receive those crowns, that we will take them and, and lay them at the feet, the feet of Christ. Jesus gives us a glimpse into the place that's prepared for us. I don't know about you, but every once in a while I think about heaven. And it seems that some of us who um, are maybe in the last third, if you will, of our lives, our mortality starts to, we start to think about it more and more. That's why I've asked our resident woodworking man who does such a good job. He made this altar and he made this. So I'm going to have him start working on me a casket so he'll save Diane some money. But nonetheless, anyhow, because I know he'll do a fine job. He might put some extra scrolling or extra words on it or something. With Bill, you never know, actually. But uh, yeah, already Bill. God bless you, brother. I appreciate. Hey, make the lining pink. 
I want to lay in pink, so make that lining pink, and I like pink, so good job, good job. You might take a picture of that on your phone, and we'll put it on the big screen for all to see. So thanks, Bill. I appreciate that. Man, you've, you've made my day. I might as well just pray and go home. It's, uh... <laughs> but heaven is, is real. I, I think for some folks, they don't believe it's real. Uh, I've dealt with quite a few people when they're dying. And there's a man dying of cancer in Monroe, Wisconsin. I was with his wife, and we, I talked about heaven with him. He wanted to talk about heaven. If you can minister to a dying person, take some time to talk about heaven and death because they want to talk about it. They don't want to ignore it. They want to bring it out in the open and deal with it because most of the time families don't want to talk about it. They want to talk about something else. But in this, when we got done talking and we had left the room, the, the wife grabbed my arm and she said, you make it sound so real. I said, well, sister, it is real. What's the point of talking about it if it ain't real? Jesus said this about heaven. It's a place, a foundation made of precious gemstones, golden streets, jasper walls, gates of pearl. It's a place filled with mansions. It's a place of rest. It's a place where we will be reunited with our loved ones. It is a place with no more sickness, pain, sorrow, death, nor crying. But none of these things will come close to the awesomeness of seeing our Savior's face, face to face. John says in 1 John 3, 2, Yes, dear friends, we are already God's children, and we can't even imagine what we will be like when Christ returns. But we do know what, that when he comes, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. When Peter was on the Mount of Transfiguration, he saw Christ in his glorified body. He said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. And there was something within him wanting him to do something for Jesus. So he said, we will... Um, Build three tabernacles and as, a, as a memorial for that. He wanted to do something. Um, my left hearing aid just went dead. I, I want you to know that after so many of you giving me a hard time, I wear both hearing aids now, so you, can, you don't have to scream so much. So anyhow, I just wanted to throw that in because it, it just went dead. So it's kind of, kind of weird. Anyhow, I'm going to get me a horn, one of my ear horns stick out there. It might look funny, but... Maybe I can get that fixed to a baseball cap, and then we'll have to hold it. But um, I believe when we come face to face with Christ, we too will be in the presence of God the Father and will bow before him. And I, I don't think there are no words that I could describe that to you this morning. Here's four facts about the judgment seat of Christ. Number one, it's the appointment we cannot escape. Second Corinthians 5.10, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in our bodies. Many of us have started out to make great plans. We've even got charts that we're going to read through the Bible in a year. But after into it a little bit, it got puts aside and, and we don't finish. Can you imagine within this group this morning, with this body, how many promises us together have made to God and never carried them out? Oh, Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray like Pastor Kerry said. I'm going to pray 30 minutes, and I, I, I hope that you do. But a lot of times, it, it, just, it just doesn't work out. And we have church here every, every Sunday at 9 and 1030, and there are some mornings where you just, you just don't want to come, so you don't. Well, you're missed. You know, it's, uh, I have to be here. 
<laughs> I can't be like you guys. If I miss three or four weeks and never tell you where I'm at, I'll be out at Walmart with a sign holding it up and says, we'll preach for food because I'll lose my job. You know what I'm saying? It don't work that way. But you're different. You're not, we're not in the same arena, if you will. This is, it's, it's like that a guy's mom went to the bottom of the stairs one Sunday morning. Hey, son, you got to get out of bed. Oh, mom, I got in late. I don't want to go to church. She said, you have to. You're the preacher. But I'll guarantee you this morning, friend, there are two appointments that you will not escape. You have an appointment with death. And I always think about my life being in God's hands and my heart is in his hand. Regardless of my age, where I'm at, what I'm doing, when he so chooses, he stops that and I'm out of here. We're we're not... None of us are going to escape from that. I don't care. We can rationalize until the cows come home, but there's going to be a time in your life where God stops your heart, or the only other option is that eastern sky splits and Christ takes us out of here, and we don't have any guarantees. You know, I talked about that last week. Some people thought it would be this week, but uh, we're still here. In my opinion, I don't think we'll have an inkling. He says he'll come as a thief in the night. I don't think we'll have even any idea. I don't think we can pinpoint it. We can use the stars and the planets lining up. I, I really don't think that means anything. Here's what means something is when it's time. And the father turns to his right and says, son, bring my church home, and then it'll happen. That's just the way I believe that it, that it will be. We have an appointment with death, and you have an appointment to be judged, Hebrews 9, 27. It is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. Everyone in here this morning, whether you're in the boat with Jesus or you're not, at one point in your future, you will stand before the Lord God Almighty, and you will be judged as a human. This morning, I would like to really look at the followers of Christ at this appointment that we cannot escape. And Paul calls it the judgment seat. It's the Bema seat. It's a raised platform. And every city and village in Paul's day had one. It's where the magistrates sat. It's where the, the rulers of the city sat. And what happened on that Bema seat, if you had done something well and you wanted to be rewarded, everybody would gather and they'd do it at the Bema seat. But if you had committed a crime or whatever, they, they, uh, they handed out punishment there as well. So when Paul wrote this and he talked about the Bema seat, people in that culture would know exactly what it was. There will be joy for rewards, but uh, for some of us, there won't be any joy. That's why I do believe that, that this judgment will be in the air. You know, there's three heavens. There's, there's our atmosphere, there's space, and then there's the abode of God. There is no discomfort or remorse or sorrowful feelings where God lives, but in the atmosphere, and maybe even in space, I don't know, but that, that's where we'll, we'll be judged as believers, because at that time, some of us is, is not going to be, uh, we're, we're going to feel some remorse. So that is the appointment that we cannot escape. 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in our bodies. Second fact we will see the authority that we will counter, and that will be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because God has given them, him that authority, John 5, 22 and 23. 
And the Father leaves all judgment to his Son, so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. But if you refuse to honor the Son, then you are certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. Some of you have lived interesting lives and have traveled to other parts of the world, and perhaps you've even met some people um, that the world would describe as important, maybe uh, famous actors or well-known singers or maybe sports stars, you know, and that's a crazy thing. That guy that I'm with, you have to be old know who he is. That's Lynn Swan. He, he played for the Steelers, and Diane and I did a wedding in Heinz Field one time, and he showed up, you know. I, I love name droppers. If you're a name dropper that met, has met famous people, come and tell me that. I love hearing that. You know, it, it's a big deal. You know, Diane um, was in Terre Haute. Uh, you were standing along the street when JFK come by. You know, I thought that was a big deal. She was real close. And I know Josh and I got to stand close to Walter Payton in Chicago one time. I didn't take a bath for two weeks. But anyhow, um, I, I love that when people, and some of you have, you know, I mean, it might be heads of state or anymore. You don't want to mention you've stood next to politicians because you might get the stink eye, if you know what I'm saying. But nonetheless, it's, it's, it's a big deal. But, you know, at the judgment seat of Christ, we will find ourselves before the ultimate authority of all history. Colossians 1, 17 and 18 he existed before everything else began, and he holds all creation together. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. He is the first of all who will rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. We talk about Jesus, but I don't, I don't know how much we've thought about seeing him face to face. In that day, our eyes will behold the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the wonderful counselor, the bright and morning star, the author and finisher of our faith, the captain of our salvation, the great I am, the Holy One of Israel, the way, the truth, and the life, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, the resurrection and the life, our Savior. We will see the one who created the heavens and the earth. Face to face, we will behold the one who left the glories of heaven, took on a robe of flesh, came to this earth, lived a holy, sinless life, taught with authority, performed many miracles, suffered, died, rose again, and ascended to the right hand of the Father. There at the judgment seat, we will encounter the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I look forward to that day sometime. I think, that, I think about this and, and some of the, the, the tragic things that, that I have heard that I have known people that said, I just want to make it by the skin of my teeth. I don't care about rewards. I don't care about anything about, I just want to know that, that I make it to heaven. So what they were trying to say, you know what? I'm not going to give any money to the ministry. I'm not going to turn a tap because I'm saved through grace, not by works. They, they always go back to that scripture. And to delve into that, you'll find that it's got a little different meaning, actually. But nonetheless, as I read this stuff and I, I understand this, it's going to be a pretty sad day when you stand before Jesus and you have nothing in your hand. He's going to question you on that. You know, Tony Campolo, a man, the judgment seat of Christ, everything I've done wrong as a believer. He said, my mom will be there. Really messed him up. <laughs> Fact number three, the assessment we must endure. Our lives will be brought out into the open. You know, our sin won't be judged. Our sin was judged at Calvary. Romans 8, 1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. You say, why do we face Christ in the judgment? At the judgment, we will give an account for how we lived as believers. Things changed. 
We laid down the old life and we came into the new. And from that moment on, it's written down. And everything that we have done between then and now for or not for Christ will be recorded and it'll be brought back up. Our sin's gone. This is a little different thing here we're talking about. At the judgment, we will give an account for our lives. Romans 14, 10 through 12. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15 kind of enlightens us on the beam of seat. Now anyone who builds on that foundation may use gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But there's going to come a time of testing at the judgment day to see what kind of work each builder has done. Everyone's work will be brought through the fire to see whether it or not it keeps its value. If the work survives the fire, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is bumped, burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builders themselves will be saved, but like someone escaping through a wall of flames. I'm made up by the skin of my teeth. Our ministry will be assessed. When you came into the kingdom, I, I don't know, and, and maybe uh, as far as leadership, maybe it's our fault that we haven't enlightened you on that. The very moment that you bowed your knee to Christ and gave yourself to him, got in the boat with him, he gave you a gift or spiritual gifts. Everybody got them. Nobody got left out. And you have talents and things that you do well. It's always been my premise, whatever you do well, you should do that for Christ to the utmost. I, I believe that's the way it works. And in these giftings, he has made you stewards of that. It's something precious that he gave you. And in, in, in a sense, it's up to us uh, to exercise those gifts and find out what they were, are and then use them for God's kingdom. Our materials will be assessed to see what we built with. Some of our... Some of, some of the things that we do, Paul mentions here, have great value. And some items are essentially worthless. Paul says that we spend our life building with certain materials. We are either building with gold, silver, precious stones, or we are building with wood, hay, or stubble. He will divide at the beam of seat our worthless works from the bad of works. And they will be thrown in the fire and you and I will face that. Judgment, actually. If we try to picture that in our mind, you'll say my name, and I'll have to stand there, and I don't know if he'll point his finger at me or not. On the big screen will be my life as a believer, all the good and all the bad, what I've done out of a selfish motive, what I've done to gain glory for myself instead of for him. That's all going to come to light. And I think for some of us, we'll stand there, and he will say, you know, I, I gave you this, this gift, this spiritual gift that, that, that you didn't have to empower yourself, but when you found on and worked on and practiced on, the Holy Spirit will, will empower you to carry that out. I do not stand up here on Sunday mornings under my own power. If it was just me, you, 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 might, as well, you might as well go to sleep. I really don't have anything worthy to say without Christ. That is the point. And we will stand front and center, and he'll look us in the eye, and he'll already know, but he might even ask, what'd you do with those gifts that I gave you? Did you use them? Were people brought into my kingdom because you used the gift that I gave you, that I empowered you with through the Holy Spirit? 
Here's the deal in life. We say, we talk about classes of people. The Old Testament, even the New Testament, there was Jews and Gentiles, no one else. It populates the face of the entire earth, either Jew or Gentile. That's just the way that God set it up. But Paul gets into Corinthians. He said, you know what? There are three kinds of people in this life, in this world. There are those who follow Christ and are obedient, that, that listen to his word and follow him. And then there are those in the kingdom that want to make it by the skin of their teeth sometimes. He called them carnal Christians. And what he is saying is uh, we have such a desire to keep one foot in the kingdom because we want to go to heaven and the other foot's over here in the world because we love the world, we love the mud, we love to wallow in it, you see. So Paul said too many believers live carnal lives. They live for themselves. They have an earthly focus rather than an eternal one. And spiritually speaking, their life is a waste. And at the judgment seat of Christ, their works will burn up. John MacArthur says, and I quote, the tragedy of so many Christian lives that they don't live horribly immoral lives, they just live disastrously inconsequential ones. And if they died, there wouldn't be anybody in the world, spiritually speaking, who would miss them. God gives us 24 hours every day to serve him. And every moment of our lives, if we so choose, can be lived for Christ. Never forget that one day there will be an assessment that you must endure. It's kind of intimidating sometimes to think about that this was actually a glorious event for the child of God. We need to be reminded often that Jesus paid it all. He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. He's our Master. He is our King. And after all he has done for us, he will give us a reward. This is amazing to me. There's five potential crowns that the Scripture says that you and I can attain. One, an incorruptible crown, awarded for faithfulness to the Lord. Two, crown of life for the person who endures and overcomes temptation. Number three, the crown of rejoicing. This is the soul winner's crown. The crown of righteousness, number four, this will be given to those who anticipate and live in the light of the return of Jesus. And five, the crown of glory, this will be given to the faithful ministers who give themselves to lead and feed the flock of God. I, 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 I'm amazed even just to try to think about that, that Christ would, would give us crowns, but he has promised to do that. And when we stand in that place, we will see what John saw in Revelation 4.1. If you can remember, he was caught up off the Isle of Patmos and taken to see this. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me with the sound of a mighty trumpet blast. And the voice said, come up here, and I will show you what must happen after these things. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, jasper, and chameleon, and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. John is doing his best to describe the majesty of the Father, but there's no words to describe that. But on that day, when we are there, we will worship him. Revelation 4, 4, 24 thrones surrounded him, 24 elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and held gold crowns on their heads. Fact number four, we find the adoration we will express. The 24 elders, this is Revelation 10 and 11, 4. 
In verse 11, it says, this is what they are saying. You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. There's no shortage of debate on who these 24 elders were, but I don't want to focus on that this morning. I want to focus on what they were doing. Notice their actions. They fell down before the Lord God. They worshiped him. They cast their crowns at his feet. They praised him for who he is, and they praised him for what he had done. The elders knew that they only had those crowns because of the grace of God, and I think it will be that with us. When it talks about crowns in the Scripture, it mentions two, diadem and stephanos. Diadem speaks of the kingly crown, the crown of glory. That is the Greek word that is used in Revelation 19, 11, and 12. Then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. And then the one sitting on the horse was named Faithful and True, for he judged fairly and then goes to war. His eyes were bright like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him, and only he knew what it was. Diadem is used to describe the many crowns Jesus will wear when he returns in power. Stephanos refers to a victor's crown. These are the crowns that we who, I guess, deserve them and are rewarded with them. These are the ones that we will cast at his feet if you earn that crown. God made a way for us to be there with him. The only way that we could have a crown is because God loved us. He extended his grace toward us. He sent his son to die for us. He gifted us to serve, and he equipped us for victory. Revelation 4, again, 11, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. And if you're not a child of God, Without Christ, you face a terrible fate that lasts forever. You will stand before God the Father at the great white throne judgment, and he will say to you, depart from me, because I never knew you. I think those words really need to sink in, because that departing, you're cast into the lake of fire where the devil and his demons will be, and to torment you forever and ever and ever. I don't, I don't think we can grasp the weight of that. It's like Dante in the inferno over the gates of hell says, he who enters in has no hope. You're there forever. I don't know if we talk about hell a lot. I like to talk about heaven. I like to talk about miracles. I like to talk about what Christ is doing in our lives and how we're changed. I don't like talking about hell, but you got to. Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. It's a place you should avoid by accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. In closing, I just want to review what we have seen today. We will stand before him at the judgment seat. Our works will be tried by fire. What remains will be the basis for, remains will be the basis for our reward. We will take those crowns that we are given, and we will humbly bow before the Father, and we will cast those crowns at his feet. And I know that we will cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. And let us look forward to that day when we will see a holy pile of crowns. I don't know your heart this morning, friends. I don't, I don't know 
God has said something to us if we were listening. I think sometimes if we don't want to hear God, we just kind of put our fingers in our spiritual ears and la, 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 make noises so he doesn't get in here. But when he does, he means for you to respond, whatever that might be. I don't know where you're at in Christ. I pray with all my heart this morning that if that trumpet would sound, we was all killed by terrorists, that we'd all go together. That's, that's my prayer. And if you don't know Christ this morning, we say this. It, it's the most important thing I'll ever say from this stage. Do you know Jesus? And if you don't, please come, because more than anything else, I would like to, to show you that. So I love you guys. God bless you.